Tales of the Legion Project Podcast, Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Hey everyone, this is Peter from the Daily Rios Podcast. And this is Eric from the Long Box Review Podcast. And you're listening to the third episode of Tales of the Legion Project, a special supplemental podcast to the ongoing Legion Project, where we get a chance to focus on Legion-adjacent comics, such as specials, annuals, miniseries, or... As in today's case, uh, the Legion of Superheroes in other media. And that's why today's focus is on the DC animated movie Justice League versus The Fatal Five. Are you excited, Eric? I am very excited. This this uh, this uh, this movie actually was kind of a, a bit of a surprise to me. Um, I, somehow I kind of lost track because I I normally keep track of the the animated movies that DC is putting out, mm-hmm. and I for some reason either that or I'm developing uh, dementia and just you know totally wiped it out of my head. Um, I did not realize that they were doing a movie featuring. Uh, the Legion, or at least you know, in 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 part, um, but but certainly elements of the 31st century DC universe uh, here. So I, you know, when I first heard about this, it was shortly before the movie movie was uh, was released, and you know, taking the Justice League, the the uh, uh, the Bruce Tim Justice League, and putting them up against the Fatal Five, my favorite Legion villain group. I mean, that's yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this. Nice. It had its world premiere at WonderCon in Anaheim on March 29th of this year, 2019. It was released on digital shortly thereafter, and then it was finally released on DVD in April. Um, But I have to imagine you and I both watched it on the DCU app, DC Universe app, correct? I did, yeah. It was the first time uh, that I've ever watched one of their, their movies. No, I'm sorry. It was the second time. Uh, I watched the, the one of the Superman movies that they, they previously released. Uh, but I watched it. I watched the movie the first time that way through the DC Universe app. Uh, I have since actually gone back and bought the Blu-ray uh, because I, for some reason I like to have physical media of, of this stuff. And I've, I've, I have all of the DC animated movies... Uh, uh, you know the, the the main movies. I won't count like compilation type stuff. Um, from from the very beginning that uh, well, I don't, don't even know how many years ago that it's been since they they started this. But uh, I have all those in DVD and now Blu-ray because apparently they're not releasing uh, some of these newer movies on DVD anymore. This was this was the what thirty fourth or something they mentioned. So you, you have all those. Was movies, it really? Yeah. Wow. 
And I have a theory about all those movies that I'm sure will come up uh, in our conversation because I always have theories. Right? I was going to say, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, this was directed by Sam Liu, who has a ton of the other movies in his uh, biography, in his, in his bio list. Uh, Teen Titans, Judas Contract, Justice League versus the Teen Titans, the Gods and Monsters stuff, Killing Joke. Gotham by Gaslight, Batman Year One, All-Star Superman, etc., etc. And he co-directed with Lauren Montgomery the Justice League Crisis on Two Earths and Batman Year One. Um, he's also done some of the Marvel animated movies, and apparently he won a Daytime Emmy Award for his work on the Batman series from 2006, The Batman. Huh. I didn't realize he had done some Marvel stuff as well. Just a few. I think one of them was Planet Hulk and a Thor one. Hmm. This movie is also written by Eric Carrasca, who is one of the writers, one of the main writers on the Supergirl TV series. And he was partnered with Jim Krieg and Alan Burnett. And if you know that name, I mean, he, Alan Burnett apparently has been around, uh, behind the scenes with all of these DC animated movies and cartoons going all the way back to one of the Super Friends cartoons from the 80s. So his really? name... Yeah, I mean, when you look at his checklist, woo, he's, he's just everywhere. Not only in the DC universe, but other cartoons as well. He's And he's written some comics here and there as well. So, well, I recognize his name certainly because it's it's flashed up on on the credits for all for a lot of these movies. Uh, But yeah, I didn't realize he had that that much of a connection. I guess. And I didn't really go. I don't really go too deep with some of these creators sometimes because um, uh, I don't know for one reason or another. But I just you know I just looked it up. I'm sure there's other people who are who have more experience and and a little more of an expert when it comes to the names behind the scenes on these movies but I I did look him up and it just kept going and going and going and going I'm like all right he clearly knows his stuff so does that make him the the hoppy the marvel bunny in the dc universe (laughs) keeps going and going just keeps going and going (laughs) um Let's see. The you have a cast list. We should talk about some of the uh, the big names here. What what do you have for your cast list here? So uh, I uh, put it. Um, well, I, I reorganized it from the official list because you know the, this this movie features certain characters, uh, and so I I kind of organized it that way. And so uh, we have Di- Diane Guerrero as uh, Jessica Cruz, uh, Green Lantern Jessica Cruz. And uh, Elias Gabel as uh, Tom, or Thomas, uh, Starboy, as we, we come to find out who he is. Uh, George Newbern returns as Superman, as does Kevin Conroy as Batman, and Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman. So we get, we get the, that uh, J, Justice, League, Justice League Unlimited cast members returning as those characters, which was really nice. And as far as the villains, we have uh, Peter Jessup as uh, uh, Thorak, Tom Kenny as Bloodsport. I think this is probably in 
no, no, I don't, I don't know why I have it in this order because I have Bloodsport in between. Uh, but Matthew Yang King as the Persuader and Sumali Montano as Emerald Empress. Philip Anthony Rodriguez as Mono. Daniela uh, Bobadilla or Bobadilla, I'm not sure, as Miss Martian. Kevin Michael Richardson as Mr. Terrific. Noel Fisher as Brainiac 5. Tara Strong, which is a, a name I think a lot of us recognize in the um, animated world uh, as, a, as a voice actor, as Saturn Girl. And finally, I don't know if you knew this, uh, Peter, but Bruce Tim has some credits here as well as Two-Face and the, the, the Grunts of Validus, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> So they got Bruce Tim uh, doing a little bit of work there, as I think. I mean, he's he does that pretty commonly. I think in 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 the stuff that he helps produce. Right. I mean, you know, you get your voice on there. It's something silly, and it probably keeps the cost down somewhere along the way. Well, and he probably gets residuals too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might recognize Diane Guerrero's name. She is currently playing Crazy Jane on the Doom Patrol series ah, on the DC okay app. yes all right and the actor who is voicing Starboy, I, I mean i didn't know this i i just saw it when i looked it up he is one of um he's a character on game of thrones for two seasons uh he's one of the dothraki um that is uh that belongs to Danny. That that's one of her blood writers. Okay. In in the show, so I, I'm currently watching that right now. So the second season. So I was like, oh, that's him. Okay, that's cool. Um, Kevin Michael Richardson, he was the Joker on the Batman series from 2005 2008. He does a bunch of voices on Young Justice, Martian Manhunter, John Stewart, Doctor Fate. He's Trigon in various Teen Titans cartoon appearances. And he was Kilowog on the Green Lantern animated series and in this movie as well. Okay. So it's nice to get a couple, you know, get someone to reprise their role. Hearing those three, though, the big three, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, I mean, that's just, I mean, Batman obviously going, Kevin Conroy going all the way back from the animated series. But just hearing those three again, I thought, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the whole idea of putting it in that continuity. Um, that was just, that was like, just kind of like coming home again. I, I was just going to say that phrase. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think those three are definitely the, the um, uh, they are the trinity of, I think, the animated movie universe as well. Right. Okay, so before we get into the discussion, how about um, you have a, a synopsis that you pulled? Why don't you just read that for anybody who hasn't seen it? Okay, uh, so this is uh, what they, they, what is referred to as the official synopsis. I'm not sure what makes it official, but anyway, Justice League versus the Fatal Five finds the fate of the Earth hanging in the balance when the Justice League faces a powerful new threat, the Fatal Five. Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman seek answers as the time-traveling trio of Mono, Persuader, and Therak terrorize Metropolis in search of budding Green Lantern Jessica Cruz. With her unwilling help, they aim to free remaining Fatal Five members Emerald Empress and Validus to carry out their sinister plan. But the Justice League has also discovered an ally from another time in the peculiar Starboy, brimming with volatile power, could he be the key to to thwarting the Fatal Five? An epic battle against ultimate evil awaits. 
Somebody had fun writing that. It's good to be the person who has to write the copy. Right? <laughs> uh. So the way we're going to talk about this... Um, is we're going to try to focus on some of the Legion aspects in this cartoon, in this movie. And as a way to help that, both Eric and I watched some of their previous appearances within the DC animated universe. So um, we watched uh, an episode from Superman the Animated Series uh, called um, New Kids in Town, which is season three, episode three, all the way back from October of 1998, which I have to assume is when the Legion first appeared on on a cartoon, I I imagine. Um, The other one that we watched is from Justice League Unlimited, Far From Home, which is from season three, episode 10, also featuring members of the Legion. And we're not going to go super in-depth on those, but we may incorporate them into the larger conversation as a way to kind of see where some of these characters have come from, uh, as a way to see how the Legion is is, um, showcased in the animated universe, both in this movie and elsewhere, fully understanding that they had their own series, but that's kind of we're not going to focus on that because that, that really was its own thing. Um, this is just, uh, there are few appearances and then this movie. Um, and you know, we may bounce around a, a, a bunch here, but just to give you an idea of, of what kind of research we did for the movie. So before we do any of that though, we should just give our general thoughts about justice league versus the fatal five. What did we think? Um, What kind of stuff did we take from it? Eric, why why don't you start us off with that? Well, anytime uh, I see the Legion in an uh, episode of something, um, I'm always very open to it. And and wanting it to be great. And uh, I I wouldn't say I was disappointed at all um, in terms of what we have on the screen. Because there's not a lot of, really, Legion uh, in it. There's some elements to it. There's some characters, but it wasn't a true Legion of Superheroes um, extravaganza. Uh, and not that that you know what this movie wasn't billed as that. But you know, I was kind of hoping going into it that we'd have a little bit more. Wait, there's that one scene that uh, that maybe we'll talk about where we see the 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 31st century, um, but really the focus is on Starboy and his relationship. Uh, or his 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 mission and his developing relationship with this new Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz. And that's the part that I really latched onto in this movie, and I really enjoyed, was mm-hmm. these two, um, and for lack of a better word, uh, broken people uh, in, in the ways that they are, how they are relying on each other and depending on each other and um, helping each other through their their. Uh, particular issues at, while at the same time fighting this 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 group the the fatal five and um uh you know really the justice league while you know they have top billing justice league versus the fatal five um i really thought of them as more supporting characters in this movie hmm. uh, and and i really like that particular take on on introducing 
two two I mean virtually basically two new characters uh, in in the DC animated universe and and uh, allowing their them to breathe I guess uh, in in this movie yeah and and two characters that obviously uh, don't get a lot of spotlight you could even put a third one in there if you include Miss Martian uh, true yeah and obviously she has had a lot of play in the Young Justice cartoon, but in many ways it feels like she's coming up to the big leagues here. Mm-hmm. So we've seen her before. Um, one of my notes here was it, it felt like there were a lot of stories um, that either sometimes worked well together and sometimes almost were running a little side by side without ever coming together. Mm. Um as you mentioned, Star Starboy's story, the whole reason why he's coming back to the 21st century, uh, Jessica's story, and then their two stories combining. Miss um, Martian and her role uh, within the larger Justice League, um, and then how she relates to the conflict as well. And then the whole Fatal Five stuff, and then the whole Justice League versus the Fatal Five stuff, and then this weird tangent off into Oa. Um, yeah, I, uh, I wrote down here, I thought this movie had a lot of plot. It had plot and plot development, not necessarily depth, just a lot of things happening. But I felt like the the action side of it, they relied a little, a lot on the action side of it. And mm-hmm. some of that I got kind of bored with. <laughs> um, it was almost like one too many fights with the fatal five. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Right. So, uh, and they all kind of had a point, but I mean, if you counted them up, I mean, you had, first of all, you have the, ori- the, the opening fight that brings them back to our time you have the fight where they're broken out of the bubble where Superman gets slashed. You have the fight in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. You have the whole thing with the bombs, the sequence with the bombs. Not necessarily a fight, but it's still an action sequence of sorts. You have the fight when they first get to Oa. I guess then it's just the the final one then. Mm. So you put all this all those together and it's like, whoo! That's a lot of action, but I'm not necessarily sure it was all, uh, I wasn't as interested in all of them, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Well, considering this movie has a runtime of 77 minutes, I wonder how many of those minutes was taken up by these, by all these fight scenes Yeah. as opposed to, you know, uh, character development or dialogue between, you know, just, just exposition and stuff like that. But. Uh, I, I imagine a good a good chunk of that was was all these fight scenes. Right. <laughs> well, let's talk about the Fatal Five. You said they are your favorite one of or your favorite Legion villains. Um, they obviously get title billing. Uh, so why don't we talk about the Fatal Five and what you thought in this movie? And we can always, as I said before, we can connect back to those other episodes if we want to. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so you have the the classic Fatal Five team of of Therok, Persuader, Mono, um, Emerald Empress, and Validus, um, and they they are my favorite Legion uh, villain group, uh, and always have been since their first appearance, 
way back in, in I forget the issues, but in, in Adventure Comics, this is the classic storyline in which uh, Feral Lad uh, gives up his life to save the universe from the Sun Eater. The Fatal Five are brought together uh, uh, with the Legion to help battle that. And, and you know, it's, so it's the Legion's fault that the Fatal Five even exist, <laughs> uh, which I always thought was a, a nice bit of irony. But I, I know just the, 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 these characters in general, um, they're so weird. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like the Legion in miniature, you know, because um, they all have a particular ability that, they, that, that is their main uh, power set, I guess, mm-hmm. um, uh, so to speak. Uh, um, but, but they're all really kind of weird. And, and why, why are they together? It doesn't make any sense that they're together, you know, it's just... Um, but they, but they are, and they, they continue to stay together. It just, it never seems, uh, if you think about it logically, these characters should not be together because you have the very powerful, powerfully, um, what do I want to say? The, the powerful personality in Emerald Empress and Therok. And you would think that those two would not work well together. And and then you have Persuader, who's who's kind of like the the muscle, but he has this atomic axe that can slice through anything. Mono has this weird hand destroying ability, not hand destroying, but uh, uh, a disintegration thing where he touches something and it and it, it, it uh, disintegrates it. And Validus is you know just a big monster with uh, with uh, uh, mental lightning. Um, and uh, and Emerald Empress, of course, is has the the Emerald Eye of Ekron. Which is this sometimes all powerful uh, weapon and sometimes not. It's just it's been weirdly portrayed over the years. So that's kind of the the background and, and or my perception of these characters from from uh, the comics. And so now we get to their uh, how they're portrayed in this movie, and what an interesting change they made to the the relationships of these characters. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, Therok is uh, is the leader uh, of this of this group. That's what I thought. Yeah, and, and he's not in this. He he's uh, he's a vocal um, uh, dissident in some ways uh, in <laughs> in this, uh, but he goes along with 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 uh, Emerald Empress's Emerald Empress. No, Mono's. I guess it's kind of the the, the same because in this uh, rendition. Mono and Emerald Empress are an item. They're a couple. And uh, that was really weird. <laughs> you know, coming, coming from, my, from uh, all the years I've been reading about these characters, uh, I don't think I've ever read anything, and I, and, I, and I can't say that I've read every appearance of the Fatal Five, uh, but uh, I've never encountered these characters ever hooking up with one another in any way. And to see Mono being the leader, essentially, of this, this, uh, or the leader in this story, but he's really f- doing the bidding of Emerald Empress. So, you know, it's really, she's the leader, but uh, that comes in later in the movie. Uh, uh, that was, an inter- like I said, a very interesting change, and I liked it. I thought it was, it brought some depth to the characters. Like I said before, the there's no reason why these characters should stay together. Right. And, and yet in this movie, we're given at least for some of them, a reason why they are together. 
and and I I really like that. It 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 made it made me appreciate the the, the characters more. What did you think of the way they're portrayed? In the sense of number one, they all can fly, and number two, they all seem to have super strength. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because so, uh, traditionally it's you know uh, Validus because just because he's huge, he has he has super strength. The Persuader has always always been portrayed as having some super strength, but yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, I you know the the fact that everybody can fly, I think it's just a that's just a a lazy shortcut that they're they they've been using. Uh, I think in um, a lot of different uh, animated shows, movies, and and television series, just because it's easy to do, I guess. It's easy to get them from one place yeah, to the other. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they can also stand up when you have someone like Superman and Wonder Woman, you gotta let make them stand up against them mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. It took a little while as I was watching it as I, as I was watching that aspect, and I was thinking, Okay, should they really be giving Wonder Woman that much of a <sighs> I had the same know? thought. Yes. Yeah. That, that was weird. Yeah. And I read an interview somewhere <laughs> that said uh, for a team named Fatal Five, they weren't real. They didn't do a lot of fataling, <laughs> killing, and they weren't five of them until the end. Yeah, that, that was that, was, that was a bit weird. Although, you know, the, sure, there's not, you know, it's an animated movie. Uh, not that I want to see, because I, I, my, my big complaint about the, the these more recent DC animated movies is that they're they're going a little darker than yeah. than they have in the past and not a not a change that I'm actually all that receptive of uh so this was um a nice change of pace uh but you know they 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 were very threatening you know uh they were the threatening five um <laughs> it was you know you mentioned the the, the bomb sequence uh earlier you know cuz that's that's pretty you know um uh villainous yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was pretty evil of them to to do. You know, just just to get a means to an end. And they did, as I said, they gutted Superman. I mean, he he. That it was interesting seeing that aspect against the designs of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. You know, we saw quote unquote nudity. There was language. There was violence. People did die. Uh, people got stabbed and disintegrated by Mono. Um, uh, Superman got hurt uh, to a level that I, it's not like it hasn't ever been there before. But, um, you know, certainly with the language, they can't do much when it's on regular TV. But there, I thought it upped the ante a lot on on some of that stuff and and seeing it in this universe was kind of interesting but again if you're gonna have if you're gonna have characters like this um something's gotta happen Mm, mm -hmm. oh and yeah i i I, and i forgot completely forgot about that the that um the bunker scene i i call it the bunker Mm -hmm. uh, uh towards the end of the movie that was just brutal yeah. I mean that's uh, you know that's exactly where they earned their their fatal five um uh, moniker because what they did to those those poor those poor uh soldiers is right. I, I was I was actually kind of turned off by that. Mm. And on some level though I, 
Do you think it's earned? I just thought of this now. Do you think it's earned a little bit because Jessica Cruz's story, her origin, which is pulled from the comics, where it's it's very violent and she has um, friends that she's going out camping with and then two of them get shot because they come up upon some killers or whatever. So her origin is, is born out of trauma and tragedy. Um, and we're seeing that here as well. Um, where these characters, these villains, they're not—they're not just looking for money and whatever. I mean, they're—they're—they're they're, they're going out of their way to kill people. And I wondered if that was a way to kind of bring Jessica to violence, to trauma, and be able to overcome her own past. Um. Because it made me wonder why she was so hesitant to be a hero. They don't really kind of explain beyond just showing you that she has a chip on her shoulder. She has some past trauma. Um, And if you're going to go into the superhero world, it's going to be traumatic. So I wonder if maybe, maybe they thought by showcasing that, you're giving her a way to become a stronger person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how I read it. But but I agree with you the the uh, the her raison d'être. Um, I, I didn't. I wasn't quite sure that you know. It's very easy to you know see why she is the way she is because of the trauma she experienced. But then you you couple that with she has a Green Lantern ring, and you only get a Green Lantern ring um, at least you know these days. <laughs> you know the the the, the Jeff Johns and later era. Uh, if you can overcome great fear, you're select. You can be selected as a Green Lantern. Where did she do that? Because all we see is that she is running from this trauma. She's she's avoiding it. I mean, she's trying to deal with it, but really, what we're shown is that she's not really she's not being successful at it. So why is she a Green Lantern? Hmm. It was just an it's just an odd thing and i so i wonder if there was you know some more to this movie that they they just simply cut out and i guess in a way her relationship with starboy is the point too because she's able to channel what she's going through in her therapy sessions to him and then as a way come to terms with what she's going through maybe not solve it obviously yeah but at least maybe come to terms with it well, that, that's what I was speaking to earlier uh, as to why I like this movie uh, more so than, than other elements is that, you know, she, she's very much an introvert uh, in a lot of different ways of the sense of that word. Um, and it's only when she can help someone else going through uh, um, a trauma, so to speak. Uh, you know, Starboy's trauma is that he, his mind is, is, is not right. It's, it's uh, broken, like I said, and um, it's only when she can externalize her own issues, I guess, and help another person that she is able to start dealing with her, her own trauma and, and not avoid it and, and to confront it and to, and to um, uh, get past it. Or at, least, at least it's suggested that she can get past it now. I like the little bit of connection when she's talking to the therapist and, and the therapist is like, well, did you try your mantra? And she's like, no. 
And then at the end of the movie, she she says the Green Lantern oath, the Green Lantern mantra, if you if you will. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And then finally, that's when she's able to um, sort of access the full power of her ring because she starts to create constructs, more detailed constructs. Um, she really ups her power when she goes up against the Fatal Five at that aspect. So um, I sort of thought it was going to happen that way. When I heard the word mantra, I was like, oh, she probably is going to say the oath and that's the thing that's going to finally push her over the edge. And that's sort of what happened. Yeah, but that was still a cool scene when she did. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. <laughs> so what do you think of Starboy? In, not only in the sense of Starboy, the Legion character. Um, and we've already sort of talked about or touched on his relationship with Jessica. But just... Um, as the choice for this story, as the bridge between the 31st century and the 21st century, other than the obvious ending, which when we got to the ending, I was like, okay, well, that's why you use Starboy. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, do you, uh, let's, let's go a little bit more with Starboy. What, what did you think? Well, so the first thing I, I thought of was um, this seems very familiar because it, it it draws heavily on the, the, the Starman character that appeared in uh, the comic JSA. I think it's around 2007-ish. Um, that led to the Lightning Saga story that reintroduced the 1980s Legion into DC continuity. And, and so, you know, it's like, well, of course it's going to be Starboy because... That's they're drawing from that storyline where he came back and did all these things and his mind was not right and, and you know all that all that stuff. So um, it wasn't it wasn't uh, I guess a surprise to me that they they focused on him as opposed to somebody else, um, mostly because that's what DC the DC animated movies are doing these days. In the last few years, they instead of instead of drawing on um, or instead of creating new material, although I'm, I'm kind of going to contradict myself because this is somewhat new material, uh, they basically adapt uh, storylines from existing comics into movies. Um, this one is, like I said, uh, not so much that, but it is drawing on other elements. And a lot of it is, uh, this is something I was going to point out anyway, a lot, there's a lot of Jeff Johns love in this movie. Uh, like mm. I said, you have the, the Starboy, Starman thing from JSA, you have uh, Miss Martian uh, from his Teen Titans run, mm-hmm. Jessica Cruz, uh, Mister Terrific, also from the JSA run. Uh, you know he he d- helped develop that character. So there's a lot of elements from stuff that he worked on or created uh, in in this particular movie. So that it's it's kind of a mishmash of of things. Um. Uh, but I don't. I know. I don't know uh, beyond that. I, I don't know that uh, Starboy, other than like you said, it makes total sense why he is being used uh, in this movie based on what happens in the end. Um, you know, I I don't know that I have anything else to to really say about him as as kind of like the bridge. What 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 was your take on that? I mean, outside of just being a. a, a a companion character for Jessica too, which we've already sort of talked about. Um, 
I guess that's in that this is where the story kind of falls apart for me because um like you said it's not fair to say um I want more legion. Well that's not what the story was. Right. But you did say fatal 5 and that is the legion. Even though there's evidence, I mean there is precedence of the fatal 5 being in the DC universe without the legion. Um I think back during the Jeff Loeb Ed McGinnis Superman run there was uh, it was like during our worlds at war I think the fatal five was brought to the 20th century for some reason and the mm. legion wasn't involved I don't know so that's yeah that's the part that I kind of struggled with is like um okay they're coming back and the whole reason why they're coming back in time I thought was forced as well yeah I thought that was a shoddy excuse <laughs> Let's stick them in the past. What? Um, but I guess the notion of there not being any Green Lanterns in the 31st century, that is a Legion concept. I mean, they're, you know, maybe not to the degree that they're wiped out completely, but I don't know. Some of it just kind of, it didn't hold for me um, too well. And then I started to play the game of, oh, what other stories could we have had with this setup using Starboy, using even Jessica. Um, I think we could have gotten different stories. Uh, and I know you're not supposed to play that game this early, but um, <laughs> you know, like you mentioned the lightning saga. Why couldn't we have had the lightning saga? Yeah. You know, you could have easily said flash is missing. Right. And if you, or if you didn't want to do it with flash, Maybe some other character. Um, the other storyline that I wish they might have touched on um, and and still use this same kind of setup is you already used Jessica's comic book origin story to a degree. Well, you could have used that as a way for this to be a sequel to uh, Crisis on Two Earths, mm. the other animated universe story. You could have brought back the crime syndicate, which is basically following what happened with her in the New 52 comics. Um, I don't know how you rope Starboy into all that, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's not my job to figure that out. <laughs> um, I don't know. So, yeah, the I liked his portrayal. I liked what they did with him at the end. Um, I really liked the use of going into his mind to see the legionnaires to see where the fatal five came from because it gave us a chance compared to the other episodes that we watched to see the legion to see them portrayed more than they were before outside of their own series not just three of them not just pictures of them or statues of them and not just like uh, small fights, like the you know you really got to see them do something, and I I kind of like that you know, but is that really connected to the larger story? Sort of, sort of not. So um, yeah, including Starboy, including the Legion, it's where I kind of get a little lost in 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 this story. Which is weird because we're talking about the Legion. Yeah, yeah. It it it's it's almost like you know they wanted to use. 
for some reason use the fatal five so we have to have some connection to the future and oh yeah star boys here i don't know yeah it's 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 all very weirdly kind of it feels uh weirdly thrown together it's like a like a bunch of things i threw at the wall it's like "Mm, these kind of all landed together so let's use those and if you think of i mean so one of the background things uh was that this animated movie was supposed to be in the style of Crisis on Two Earths. They were supposed to use that animated style, but uh, Bruce Tim and other people felt that it would connect, it would look a little too much like what's going on in the other DC animated movies that are focusing more on like the New 52 style. Mm-hmm. So that's why they said, okay, we'll go back to the old models. We already had everything recorded voice-wise. We knew that we already had Kevin Conroy and, and the other two. Uh, so let's just go back to the DC animated style. And um, I don't know how they exactly do that, but the Fatal Five were in a Justice League animated movie, so I have to imagine it's not that much of a stretch to use them again. Um, and maybe that's why the choices were there. Well, no, I get they would have already had the story done by then. So, mm. or maybe that's why it made it easier to go back to that style. I don't know. I don't know if they recycle cells or recycle whatever, not cells, but models, designs, you know. Um, what did you think of the Fatal Five in compared to their episode in Justice League Unlimited, the uh, Far From Home with Supergirl? What did you think of that? Well, that they're more uh, or their appearance in that episode is they're, they're, that's a little more traditional. Um, I, I guess uh, I, there's a lot of it was was comparing. Uh, their appearance there to what uh, what I saw in the movie, mm-hmm. and so you see again you see uh, Thorak being being the guy in charge. Um, I did I did like uh, Emerald. Emp- I thought Emerald Empress had a little bit more to do in that Justice League ep- unlimited unlimited episode right. uh, than than she actually did in, in this movie, um, and uh, I actually liked uh, her portrayal uh, the way the voice actor did did uh or portrayed that character i guess um she was kind of delightfully sinister in in that episode and then and then mono was basically window dressing <laughs> in that episode which is you know com- comparatively it's like day and night um uh with uh, with him in the movie so uh you know it, it's it they're, they're just like i said they're kind of they came across as kind of the the traditional fatal five that i'm familiar with and and they were um dispatched you know pretty easily uh in that episode so it's like mm. what, what about you what what uh what, what is your comparison thoughts on 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 the the groups i think what's interesting is that they're used almost the same way you know like in the in the justice league unlimited episode it's a way to bring supergirl into a new sort of status quo and in the movie it's a way to bring Jessica, Jessica Cruz into a new status quo. So they mm. almost were used the same way or for the same purpose to put them up against one of our heroes that is going through some kind of momentary identity crisis, if you, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the, in, that, in that aspect, they almost seem secondary 
Um, and I guess that's kind of what I felt about the movie, too. They felt secondary very much. Um, I don't, But I also don't know how they would have, if it truly was a Justice League versus the Fatal Five movie, how, how interesting would that have been? You know, so I think I'm kind of caught in a, in a, this is what we got. Okay. But I can't think of anything better that has all the same characters. Mm. Um, design wise too, I thought, I thought they both design wise though were okay. You know, I think, um, the one thing that kind of confuses me or, or no, I understand it is when they make Validus a robot. Uh, in the Justice League animated, Supergirl punches him, and he's clearly a robot. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think in the movie he feels a little more organic. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. You know, if they're gonna, the only way to defeat that big of a creature in the cartoon is by making him a robot and punching a hole in him, or deactivating him, and you're not gonna kill him. Um, but he can't be so much of a mortal threat that that he's killing the heroes. He's just sort of like a big bumbling Hulk character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought the stories, in fact, I thought all three, the the Superman episode, the Justice League episode, and this movie, eerily, whenever they introduced the Legion, they all started the same way. Where somebody was running through a hallway or going to something, like a portal or a time bubble, and then they managed to throw themselves back into our time. <laughs> They all started that way. They did. did you You're that? right. Yeah. 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 Because in the Superman animated series, Brainiac is looking for some kind of temporal portal. He finds it in a in a room, and then there's legionnaires that chase after him, and they get zapped back in time. In the Justice League Unlimited cartoon, Brainy and Saturn Girl are... Um, no, what happens? Uh, Brainy and Bouncing Boy... Yeah are being chased by the Fatal Five back to the rocket ship headquarter, their old headquarters. They're coming through a hallway. They break into a room. There's a time bubble there. They go back and... Or no, they they go back and they get someone from our time, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, and Supergirl, and then they fight the Fatal Five. And then in the movie, it's the same way. This is the one where their Brainy and Saturn Girl are... Um, Uh, what happened? What I forgot? I forgot. So the Fatal Five are trying to go to the time bubble. I think is that what it is, or can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brainy tries to rig it, and they're fighting through a hallway, and then they break into the room, and then Starboy is the one that goes back in time. So it's like oddly all the same. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting parallel watching all three three of them do that. Like that was our introduction into into the Legion, that they can't handle. They're time machines. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think that uh, the 31st century officials would, you know, put some sort of restrictions on this. Yeah, I think. You know, it, that that uh, that parallelism that you're talking about, it's interesting because um, I think uh, with the Superman animated uh, episode, uh, we get uh, we get the, the characters of Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, and Chameleon Boy. So those are our... Are, are legionnaires that appear um, uh, primarily, and in uh, uh, going to the Justice League Unlimited, there there are at least visual uh, recurrences. Like you mentioned, the the uh, the old rocket ship clubhouse, you know, so that appears in both. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the the way that the the way that uh uh, Chameleon Boy looks is is in, very similar to to his his dual appearances in in uh, in these episodes, mm-hmm. and it so yeah, it, it, considering that there's only what uh, six seven eight year difference between those two episodes and the fact that uh, I think Justice League and Justice League Unlimited did a really good job of uh, continuing things that were developed in the Batman series and the Superman series. It makes sense that they would they would do some callbacks um, uh, in this movie. So because it's it, it involves uh, you know some of the same people, Bruce Tim primarily, uh, the, the the Justice League characters, and so I, I I could see why they would do that from a production perspective, and maybe even think that hey we're 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 throwing this callback in for you know fans of these shows that from from before. Uh, but all it did, all it really does, you know, for me and, and I think for you is just like, why are we seeing the, these repeats of plot elements in this <laughs> right. movie? It's just like, wh- you couldn't have come up with something better. I mean, I liked in the movie, in the fatal five movie that they are used. You actually see them a little more engaged in battle in Starboy's mind. I mean, they used Tyrock. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> It's not just, you know, Saturn, Girl, Brainiac, Five. They use Tyrock. I was like, it's Tyrock. That's great. Um, um, I, yeah, the Legion appearances outside of their series, and this is sort of one of the reason why I wanted to do this was be, and go back and watch them is because I just wanted to see how they handled it. And um, if we go into, like, let's go into Superman animated a little bit. Um, it's clearly a riff on the first time Superboy meets the Legion. Mm-hmm. Because you have a trinity, it's not the exact trinity, but it's Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, and Chameleon Boy, which you can say, okay, Chameleon Boy's power is interesting in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Do we really need Lightning Lad where it's just more energy stuff, you know? Right. Um, so I totally get that. Plus he has humor involved, um, and it's a whole riff on on that Silver Age story. So I like that, you know, like... Uh, I liked their, the way they looked. Um, I liked the story that they developed where Brainiac 5 was coming back to kill a young Clark Kent. Um, Brainiac. We got to, what's that? Brainiac, not Brainiac 5. Oh, sorry. Brainiac. Yeah, Brainiac. Not Brainiac. That would be, that would be bad. Um, <laughs> and then you got to see some of the Legion, right? Like you got to see the rocket ship that was their headquarters at that time. You got to see other members, and it was this weird mix of Silver Age and um, post-Zero Hour stuff, mm, because they mm-hmm. they had Andromeda right, and Kid Quantum, which was like, what? Yeah, and, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, and not to mention they had the symbol, the L symbols on their belts. Like, that's a very post-Zero Hour thing. Mm, mm-hmm. So, but it was good. Like, it was like, oh, look, there's the Legion, right? Like, uh, I felt like there was, like, a way to go. If they were ever going to develop a series, they could have spun it right out of there. Mm-hmm. What would you think of that uh, Superman uh, episode? Well, mostly it was, 
it was because of the legion appearance and and that little flash of of the uh, legionnaires uh, showing up that really uh, made that episode for me uh you know like you said it was it was it was a new take on on his his um encountering the legion although he doesn't remember it uh by the end right uh but he does learn to there are certain things that happen in the episode where he carries on uh so that he does become superman as as uh as they told him he would you know the the, the him using glasses that's where the the whole glasses thing comes in um and uh he i don't know he, I, clark seems to have a, a better sense of of his role going forward um and and he's clearly on the path of becoming superman yeah oddly enough it it almost is repeating the theme of using the legion to better your heroes mm-hmm. because they they say th- throughout all of the different episodes that so like in this one, they say that they're inspired by Superman. And in the Fatal Five movie, they say that they were inspired by the ideals of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. But yet in some kind of weird timey-wimey thing, they are the ones that have gone back and helped to better certain characters as well. Because he, in the Superman episode, as he's fighting Brainiac, he kind of comes to grips with his power. A little bit or at least his strength and what he can do because he's he's punked quite a lot Clark Kent you could tell he's not um, okay so he can play basketball and he can run fast and he can kick something but when Brainiac shows up Brainiac wipes the floor with him but then at the end when he sees his parents getting hurt and and the other Legionnaire members he finally is like no you know he, he destroys some tractors he punches Brainiac like he gets a little more into his body and in a weird way that was because of the legion Mm -hmm. and that's the same thing they did with jessica cruz and it's the same thing they did with supergirl yeah so that's kind of slightly different way but yeah yeah so it's interesting that they, they keep using those same same tropes or whatever now if only dc comics would realize the the how important the Legion is to the larger DC universe <laughs> as, as you have just outlined. <laughs> for, yeah. You know, forget the JSA as, as the, 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 the superheroes that um, train uh, you know, young heroes. I mean, the Legion is, is the, the perfect uh, training uh, facility, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if we go to the, do you have anything else for the Superman? episode um uh just this has nothing to do with the legion but i i, I appreciated uh the star wars and dukes of hazard references <laughs> in it because i was trying to place the time uh yeah. in which uh well i was trying to place it and also verify that they got it right um because you know they uh one of the characters makes um a darth vader reference to in 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 relation to brainiac and uh, uh, later, I think Martha Kent makes a, a reference to Dukes of Hazard is on or whatever. And so, um, you know, it puts it in 1979. So that makes sense. 
Um, and, and considering that the episode started with, uh, I think they flashed the year for the where the Legion was, which was 2979, and the whole thousand-year difference, you know, that makes perfect sense. I just appreciated oh. it. Oh. See, I was thinking it was the 80s, but that totally makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was wondering why it was 2979. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I caught the references. I just, you know, I just, I did. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Good catch. I liked wh- how they used Chameleon Boy's powers so that his, uh, it was a visual thing. His antenna would turn into like the horns of the Minotaur mm-hmm. or one of them turned into Superman's S curl or turned back from the S curl into an antenna. So I, I like that visual stuff. That was interesting. And did you notice, uh, speaking of Chameleon Boy, so this is uh, going back to the Justice League Unlimited uh, episode, he turns into the same lizard creature that he yeah. that he was in the Superman episode. Yeah. I thought that was a nice connection there. Yeah. I mean, visually, he also looks the same even in the Fatal Five movie, too. Mm-hmm. The little that we see him with that yeah. weird green and yellow uh, costume. Yeah. So... So the mo- the Justice League Unlimited episode, Far From Home, um, as we said, this is more of a Supergirl story based on uh, with the, the Legion as kind of like a backdrop. I almost felt like if if the Superman episode was the Silver Age first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes, this one kind of felt like, especially because you're using the Fatal Five, it felt like it was that pharaoh lad story that you mentioned where supergirl sort of in the place of pharaoh lad yeah um you know the fatal five have come together it's not so much of a tragedy where there's a sun eater and all that involved but she quote unquote dies you know there's this so but she, she doesn't really i don't know i just i thought loosely i could make a connection that way no i i thought the same thing especially since they uh, at one point they they go through a hall of heroes type thing, mm-hmm. and we see a statue of Feralad. Now this is not a fallen hall of heroes, but you know Feralad is prominently displayed there, uh, and also his brother. <laughs> I thought which yeah. I thought was weird, um, <laughs> but you know so you you know for those of us who know, it is a it is very much a callback to to that story, right? And and they. They use continuity, right? Even though we see the rocket ship in the beginning of that episode, that's their old headquarters. You can tell by the dust. And they even say something about, we can hide away here. They'll never find us. Their new headquarters. We see their new headquarters later. Um, So I thought that was a little bit of a nice continuity nod from their Superman appearance. And in a way, you could kind of see this as, uh, as them being a little older obviously and it would make sense that nobody would know who they are because they mind wiped superman's brain Mm -hmm. from the superman episode so it kind of totally makes sense like i was like right with it i was like yep this all kind of makes sense even if the characters look a little different the legionnaires always look different depending on what era you're in um so I kind of dug that. And then you got to see a bunch more. You know, you got to see Block, which was fun. Um, Timberwolf, Shadowlass. But they didn't really 
fight in the way that they do in the Fatal Five movie. Um, I think the thing I liked, one of the things I really liked from the Unlimited episode was the way they did Bouncing Boy. They didn't just turn him into a big ball. They they made him bounce, but he, he seemed almost like he had great agility so that he could tumble and roll and throw himself off a wall. But it, only a few times did he really turn into something. Mm-hmm. I, so I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that as well. It, it's very different than how he is portrayed in the Legion cartoon itself, which yeah. I'm sure we'll get to eventually. Well, here's how I connect those two to the movie and why when Bruce Timm says he considers it canon, I kind of can see it. So you have the Fatal Five in the Unlimited episode, but the only Legionnaires they come across are Supergirl, Green Arrow, and Green Lantern. Green Lantern in, or John Stewart Green Lantern, I should say, in the Fatal Five movie, he's off-world. And I feel like with the characters that are brought back, uh, Starboy being, you know, that character and the three Fatal Five, it kind of makes sense that they, nobody would know each other in, in, in the strictest sense. Outside of maybe Green Arrow, Jon Stewart saying, oh, let me log the mission in and we fought these characters, you know. But with that sort of, by not having Jon Stewart there, or Green Arrow, or Supergirl, I feel like, yeah, it makes sense that they could. this could still be in canon. Um, certainly the development of, like, not having Martian Manhunter, but having Miss Martian, you know, so it shows that it's a little bit later in time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, like, kind of, like, my only proof of evidence that I could sort of go, okay, it's not perfect, but it kind of makes sense. So that that's uh, I personally think all of the DC animated movies are in continuity with each other in a weird sort of headcanon way. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they certainly they certainly went about to try to make that happen when they created the Flashpoint movie and then everything after that was a certain version. Um but even the earliest ones like Doomsday and and um, whatever the, the the earliest movies were, I was like, there is a kind of weird progression going on. It's not linear, but it's not necessarily always contradicting either. Right. So, um, you know, in my big headcanon of all this stuff, I want it to make sense. So I try to make it make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can help ourselves. We, we, we want to do that. Yeah. Do do we want to talk about uh, the 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 specific ending? I I have just one little thought about that. Sure. Um, and it, I didn't I I didn't mention this earlier, but you know uh, I did mention the Feral Lad story, but um, so that was clearly on my mind as I was taking these notes. But I thought this movie was, I in my notes I said this is an odd retelling of that original adventure and Feral Lad's sacrifice because oh, yeah. we get Starboy's sacrifice. Uh, in a, in a, in a sense. Um, uh, but it also reminded me of, and I, I forget which one this, this situation appeared in, uh, or maybe they were playing off of each other. I'm not sure, but it, 
isn't there uh, some stories in like DC One Million or All Star Superman where Superman is living in the sun? DC One Million, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think there's something else in All Star Superman where he he goes to to live in the sun or something. And anyway, uh, so I thought you know maybe that's just me. That's just my weird connection uh, to to what Starboy does. But uh, just again that that contributes to that whole like I said that mishmash of things that they're throwing in this movie. Right. But but it was I I don't know you know it, it it wasn't like you know he doesn't really you know quote unquote die, but. Only he could do what he what had to happen, which is to keep the sun together, because of his his gravity uh, powers. And it was a nice way to I don't know um, make him whole by giving him something so grandiose uh, as 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 to keep the sun together, which ties him directly from the twentieth century or twenty first century. I'm so used to to reading um, Legion comics where everything was in the 20th century, <laughs> hmm. um, uh, to to the 30th, right? Because he keeps he keeps the solar system thriving, living, hmm. and I I just thought that was a really nice uh, end to his sort of end to his story, right? And uh, uh, f- you know, from death comes life. The other element that I like about this, we we we've mentioned Miss Martian a few times, but we haven't really talked about her. Um, but you know, we have an ending. So the end of the movie is we have this ending, Starboy sacrifice, and then we have the beginning of Miss Martian's role as a, as a full fledged member of the Justice League. And I thought that dichotomy was, or that progression was, was kind of neat. Yeah, you could see that there was evidence throughout the movie of how strong Starboy could really be, uh, especially with the whole parking lot thing, and it collapses, and then it it all sort of rises up again, and the Justice League are kind of looking at him like, whoa, you know. I don't know if it necessarily landed with the exact meaning that they were trying to make it land with. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. You know, if it was like a whole city or a whole block, maybe, but... But you have to, I assume you have to go by their faces that they're like, whoa, first of all, he's still alive. Secondly, that's pretty powerful for a guy whose mind is on the fritz. Mm -hmm. So um, when he started talking about it, though, at the end there, when he's like, star boy, star boy, (laughs) um, I thought, oh, right. You know, I don't know if we've ever really seen it to that degree. This is a guy who can manipulate the the mass you know the the almost it's like one of those cosmic forces you know the gravitational force or whatever you want to call it yeah and he's internalizing it you know not instead of it being outside his body he's internalizing it um and i love the visual of when he you know dive bombs into the sun all of the little solar flare things are going with him and they're being attracted downwards and into the sun again Mm mm-hmm so that was kind of cool to extrapolate his powers that way into a different different power set, different yeah. level. Yeah, I, I like that as well. Uh, I've always thought it was weird that, you know, yes, it's gravit... He, well, traditionally, he's always been portrayed as someone who can 
increase the mass of someone, right. therefore right. basically just causing them to um, be trapped in, in place. And But he's called Starboy, <laughs> which, yes, there's a connection there. Gravitational field, you know, star, mass, all that stuff. But yeah, they never really played with it, um, as far as I know, uh, until this. And it, it totally makes sense. It, it it really elevates what is really, you know, a minor Legionnaire character. Um, you know, I'm sure there are there uh, uh, fans of Starboy out there. Um, I'm not really one of them, other than his costume. I love his costume, <laughs> but. But uh, you know, it's just like, well, you know, he he can increase the mass of things and makes you know makes things heavy, right? Basically, that's what that's that's what he does. Um, but uh, it, like I said, it really elevates his status in the uh, the greater superhero um, league, you know, for lack of a better word. So I, I I really like that aspect of it, and and then him diving into the star and saving saving the solar system, saving the future. I mean, boy, what a what a what a really big ending for that character. I thought it was really cool what they did with that. Yeah. I mean, if you go further with it, if you're going to use that whole star star power, I mean, if he collapses the weight his own, you know, the own, the, the mass or whatever, he should be able to create like a black hole within himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that might even be what he sort of did at the end there, but there's a lot of uh potential now. Um, once I saw that scene and I was like, oh, especially the second time, I, I didn't really get it the first time, but the second time it really hit home. I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So th- that I liked. I liked that a lot. Yeah. I mean, considering what you just said, uh, that, that makes him one of the more potentially powerful, uh, legionnaires. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like a, like a set, like, like I was, how I was minimizing him as, yeah, he makes things heavy. I mean, it, there's a lot more to this to this guy's abilities now. Yeah, I really have a couple other things here. Um, it's kind of nice that, and we touched on this, I think, before. There's so many things that this movie is bringing back. Not only Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, but we got some Batman animated characters. There's certainly some Green Lantern stuff. Um, Young Justice, we talked about that. It's kind of like a nice tour through. DC TV animation, all of those series, which was kind of cool. Um, I'm, this is, I don't know if this was a mistake, if it was on purpose, but Mano's symbol is very similar. The one on his chest, his emblem is very similar to the yellow lantern of fear. I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, that, that was interesting. So that again, must be. I have to imagine that's just sort of like a, a coinky dink. Mm. Um, uh, I do. I read a review, and I wish I could remember which one it was. But they had a really nice way of putting this episode, and putting a lot of the mission of like some of the creators behind the scenes, where they're trying to. This was in relation to using Starboy and Jessica Cruz. Um, they go out of their way to tell superhero stories based on unrepresented experience unrepresented experiences and to characters whose stories that not everyone has seen yet um, and you touched on that too you know using 
different characters because it opens up the universe. It mm-hmm. also allows them to tell different stories. Uh, so I really appreciated that. Yeah. And then there's an, I have to imagine they are putting a sequel in here because of all of the Green Lantern stuff they're talking about. So they, they talk about how John Stewart is off world fighting dominators on ran um hawk girl went back to thanagar and if you go back to your bronze age world finest comics from dc um there were often thanagar ran wars mm-hmm. and then they made that into an actual comic in the early 2000s so i thought hmm i wonder if they're trying to build some kind of thematic sequel by by referencing that all these people are off planet, or maybe they're going to do an invasion or something. That's I don't know. that's what I was thinking. Is some uh, sort of riff on the invasion uh, event that they did. Yeah, that could be cool. But yeah, building up the DC cosmic uh, aspects of the DC universe, and you know the, the legionnaires involved, and you know just uh, again, like you said, expanding the the possibilities of of uh, the DC universe anima- animated your universe. So right. hopefully this maybe is a um you know going back to my complaint earlier uh this this movie is a harbinger for uh um developing new content not just adapting old content. <laughs> so if that's <laughs> if that's the case I will I will gladly set aside my my um issues with this movie <laughs> the particular issues I have with it and and embrace it as as something that is um, promising something to come that I, yeah. I I will enjoy more. Yeah. And it was nice that you could get all of these episodes and movies on the DCU app, oh not to gosh. make it a commercial. I know. But, uh, uh, yeah. It was all there. Oh, that, uh, yeah. Not Like you said, not to make it a commercial, but man, I have been enjoying that so much. The just the not you know the not not just the the fact that we can watch movies earlier than being able to buy them like in this case, um, all that old content, all of the old uh, Legion not old you know but the, that that uh, two season Legion of Superheroes cartoon uh, where you cannot buy the second season, uh, I've tried, um, uh, it's not available on disc uh, as far as I knew anyway. Uh, so that that's there. You have the these the the two episodes that we talked about from Superman, Justice League Unlimited. You have all those to that you can watch. Not to mention all the comics, all, all of all of the uh, the the Baxter run, the Volume Three Legion of Superheroes. Not well, not all of them, as you pointed out before. The annuals aren't there, um, but the, the 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 main numbered issues that we are talking about on the Legion Project, those are all there. Right? Am I right, Peter? Yep. yep. Yeah. So if you got that, and we talked about it before, you know, you're spending eight bucks a month and you read uh, X number of comics, you've paid for it. And, and if all you read are the Legion books that we are talking about in the Legion Project, you know, it's, it's paid for itself. <laughs> <laughs> I did also watch, um, but I didn't, I didn't, recommend you to watch it because it doesn't mean anything but did you ever see that justice league is it justice league action trapped in time i think it's called yes. justice league adventures yeah because it has karate kid and dawn star in it yes yes that's right mm-hmm. yeah i, I have but seen that yeah 
it's aimed for a way younger audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's okay. It's not great, and it doesn't connect to any of this. So. Well, so the, I guess the only thing I wanted to uh, that we haven't really talked about, and it's it's not having anything to do with the the connections between the two, other than the fact that the, they're legionnaires. One of the nice, well, this this is something that does repeat in all of these. You do see other legionnaires in some scenes in all three of these things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Superman episode, we see. Uh, at least the ones that I could I could suss out, you know, I had to I had to freeze frame it and try and and try and ca- uh, uh, identify certain characters. And there were others there that I could see, but I could not tell who they were. But you know, you get uh, you get Ultra Boy, Phantom Girl, Dream Girl, Lightning Lad, Light Lass, um, Brainiac Five, Triplicate Girl, Bouncing Boy, and you mentioned already Kid Quantum and Andromeda, which was uh, a surprise. Right. And then in the Justice League Unlimited, you get uh, that Hall of Heroes that I mentioned before with Feral Lad, Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, Chameleon Boy, others I couldn't tell. But then in a later scene, you see Ultra Boy again. He appears in all three of these in, in these scenes. Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, Colossal Boy, which was neat because it was his um, his 1970s look, uh, his uniform. I thought I, that's I, I always I like that uniform because it's it's weirdly busy and. And uh, shouldn't work, but it does for me anyway. Um, I, I, th- I would have thought they would have, you know, used something simpler. Is 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 my point? Uh, Lightning Lad, Phantom Girl again. Wildfire appears in in this. Uh, Block you mentioned before, Shadowlass as well. Timberwolf and some others. So I I, I really like that they expand uh, the. The, the legionnaire roster in in these little scenes uh in the movie you mentioned tyrock already which i thought was really cool we saw tyrock uh wildfire bouncy boy monel Dawnstar, colossal boy again chameleon boy ultra boy as i said lightning lad shadow last feral lad phantom girl timberwolf lightning lightning ah, lightning lass um and uh night girl I saw Night Girl there, hmm. and and then and this is in the Legion Museum scene, um, and then five others that I could not, I just couldn't tell who who they were. So you know, just I I love how they're they're showing. Hey, this you're seeing X number of Legionnaires, but here is so many more that we could do something with. Now, really, they're they're just teasing us. I mean, that's all they're doing. But in my mind, in my head, canon. There are a bunch of movies they can make uh, featuring these characters and get away from the Justice League characters and simply just take a chance and make a, a Legion of Superheroes movie and see what you can do with that. Come on. I'm pretty sure the one in the movie, the one character that had bumps on his arms is Arm Fall Off Boy. <laughs> it's got to be. He's the only one that has bumps on his arms like that. Oh, my gosh. That'd be great. That Did you say a- we... We got some feedback. Uh, Peter and I were actually going to talk about this uh, in a previous recording session. So this has been a, a bit of go or a, a while ago, um, a bit of time ago uh, that that I asked for this on Twitter. But I, I just put out on Twitter, "Hey, we're we're going to be talking about this movie. What you know, does anybody have any thoughts, reactions, comments? You know, whatever." And so I got a couple of those. Uh, from people that uh, I follow, I, I believe also follow me. Um, but uh, this is from uh, Jack Yo76. Uh, 
says, uh, kind of critical here, it's another mediocre DC cartoon with boring slash bland animation that takes way too many liberties with the source material. And I thought that was an interesting um, take on that, an interesting opinion. Uh, I replied to Jack that I, you know, I that's one of the things I liked about the movie was how they they did play around with the source material. And uh, I've, you know, I've, I have criticized that a little bit here um, uh, in the, in this discussion, but ultimately I really, I do appreciate how they are trying to bring a bunch of different elements into this. And yeah, it's kind of a bit, a, a bit of a hodgepodge feeling about it because of the way they've done it, but at least they're trying something a little different. They're not just doing yet another Justice League story. And then the other one was from uh, uh, Twitter user Kara Quirrell. So this is a a Kara Supergirl and Quirrell Docs Brainiac 5 um, fan uh, who said, It wasn't a terrible movie, but it did not have enough to count as a Legion movie and in no way filled my need for a sequel to Justice League Unlimited Far From Home. Is that it then? Yeah, that's all I had. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't really rate things, but I mean, in in terms of like the other DC animated movies, I think there are definitely a lot better ones mm-hmm. out there. Um, in terms of a Justice League Unlimited episode, if you just wanted to look at it like that, um, again, there are better episodes. It's not the worst. Uh, it's like somewhere in the middle. It was, you know, we watched it. I could watch it a second time. Um, I don't know how many more rewatches I would do of it. But um, I think my hope is what they do after it, if anything. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to bring in Jessica Cruz. I think that was important. But, um, you know, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a potential jumping off point that, boy, I hope they don't disappoint us. Yeah. And but I'm afraid they will because <laughs> I'm I'm cynical <laughs> that way. And these movies just take way too long to make. So it's not like I really want to sit around and go what's next, you know, because oh, yeah. they just take too long to make. Well, when they announce it, I'm like, "Great. All yeah. right, I'll see it when it comes out." Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they yeah. they only they I think they only release two a year. Yeah. And sometimes not even that. So it was a nice diversion. Mhm. And it was a nice way for us to uh get a, another Tales episode out about something uh, you know, other than the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope we can do well. We have we have a lot more to do. We, we could we could talk about the the Legion cartoon itself. Uh, mm-hmm. The Legion appeared in um, what was it? Uh, Smallville, right? Oh, right. Yeah. One episode of Smallville, which I haven't seen actually. <laughs> so maybe I can. Is that is Smallville on the DC Universe app? I don't think it is. Oh, okay. Well, but that's too I, bad. I didn't look, so, but okay. I don't think it is. And I'm sure there are other things that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. And I don't know, I don't know how much more play they get in Supergirl because I've sort of dropped off on this season. Um, oh, I'll yeah, I forgot re-watch. about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I've only seen a few episodes of that where the some of those Legionnaires appear, so. Yeah. No. All right. Well, that means we're going to wrap up this episode, another Tales episode. By all means, if you want to send email, peter at thedailyrios.com or longboxreview at gmail.com. 
and we will be back uh, with some regular Legion podcast episodes and in the future some more Tales episodes for your listening enjoyment. (laughs) All right, Eric. Talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Bye.